0: John the Baptist has been in prison since before Jesus began his public ministry. John is in prison because he angered the local ruler, Herod, by criticizing Herod's new marriage, which John deemed was in violation of the law. Now, as you probably know, John was the one who had baptized Jesus, And it's worth remembering that, first, John had resisted the effort. John felt like Jesus was the one who should baptize him and not the other way around. It seems John felt that Jesus was the coming Messiah, the one whose advent John had been proclaiming. And yet, as we look in on John this morning, we find him in doubt. And so he sends some of his disciples to bring a question to Jesus. They ask on John's behalf Are you the one to come, or are we to wait for another? Now, as is often the case with the Bible, we are not given a window into John's soul, we are not told why he is asking the question now. We don't know why he is experiencing doubt after having been so sure in the past. Perhaps his experience in prison is beginning to wear him down a little bit, but frankly, I find that unlikely. He is, after all, one who adopted the prophet's mantle and lifestyle and message. He has called on the people to return to God. He has called out the ruling authorities for their hypocrisy. John has always known that arrest was a possibility. He's always known what his speaking out meant and could mean for him. He knew that he was vulnerable. He knew that prophets often meet persecution and often face death. And so, no, I don't think that John is doubting this morning because he is afraid or that prison has worn him down Rather, I think that John sees something in Jesus that has surprised him. Or maybe it's better to say that he has not seen something in Jesus that he had expected. For not only has John been baptizing people, I, as I said, he's been proclaiming the coming of the Messiah, the Christ. And it was John's conviction that this, this Messiah would bring a fiery judgment. Last week, we heard from John about this. He proclaimed the coming of the Messiah by saying, his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. But this has not been... Jesus' way of doing things. Though he has certainly at times been fiery, Jesus has also been gentle and kind. He's been attracting people to himself because of his healings and because of his teachings and because of his parables about the kingdom of God. Jesus has been pronouncing the forgiveness of sins And he's been sharing meals with all sorts and conditions, maybe especially the worst sorts and conditions. It is not that that God's judgment is absent from Jesus' message, especially not in Matthew's gospel. But this judgment has to be heard through the lens of and in conjunction with Jesus' message of God's reconciling love. And so my hunch, my hunch is that John is confused and doubting because this is not the Messiah that he expected. Jesus is failing to live into the, the popular messianic expectations. That unquenchable fire that John spoke of seems to be in short supply. Now, I often think that as modern people, we have a special insight into doubt. Or maybe it's just that we like to talk about it a lot more than ancient people did. But in any case, I'm sure that we can sympathize with John's experience. We all know what it's like to doubt. We all know what it's like when our faith does not provide for us what we had hoped for or longed for. And I think one of the important messages of this morning's gospel passage is that if John the Baptist is no stranger to doubt, then we should not expect to be strangers either. Doubt is a part of faith, therefore, and perhaps an essential part of faith, especially at certain times in our lives. But if doubt is a part of faith, then faith needs to be constantly renewed. Our faith cannot be static, but rather it must be engaged and enlivened. We need to to open our eyes and our ears. We need to to open our hearts to what is happening in the world around us. And I believe this is Jesus' message to John. Jesus' response to John's doubt is not to berate John for his question. And as we see from the latter half of today's passage Jesus still has a great deal of admiration for John. No, Jesus does not berate, and nor does he give a robust defense of his status as Messiah. In fact, Jesus hardly even points to himself at all. Rather, Jesus says to John's disciples, go, And tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is everyone who takes no offense at me. Jesus asks John's disciples to share a message of the way that that God's kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven is emerging around Jesus and around his ministry. Now, a lot of you know that I like to talk about God's kingdom a lot. And I do that because because Jesus liked to talk about it a lot, so I I feel like I'm in good company. But uh, But I want to admit to you today that I always find it extremely difficult when I'm asked to define what the kingdom of God is. And I've decided today that that's okay. Because Jesus doesn't really define it either. Not here and not elsewhere. Here, Jesus does not ask them to share a definition of the kingdom, does he? No, rather... He asks John's disciples to observe it and to experience it. For Jesus, the kingdom of God is not something to be defined, therefore, but rather something to be experienced. And for Jesus, the kingdom is to be experienced in the healing of the sick or in the the reconciliation of enemies or in the, the forgiveness of the guilty or when dignity is acknowledged in the poor and the marginalized, or when one's life is changed by the insight of a parable. When these happen, the kingdom of God is experienced. And therefore, the kingdom of God is experienced in real and practical terms. And though we await the culmination of the kingdom in the age to come, The kingdom itself is not something otherworldly. Indeed, God's kingdom is as earthly as Jesus himself was. And the kingdom of God begins wherever healing or meaning or forgiveness or service or reconciliation happen. These, These moments are seeds. They are seeds planted in our lives, announcing what is to come, and announcing what is already there, though though often hidden in our midst. When John's disciples come to inquire of Jesus, Jesus offers a healing word to John. A word that can that can heal his anxiety and heal his doubt. He asks John's disciples to share with John what they have seen and what they have heard. And Jesus offers us this healing word as well. Whenever we might experience doubt or shame or fear or guilt. When we experience these experience these things, Jesus bids us to to open our eyes and see, to open our ears and hear, to open our hearts and love. And in those moments, when we cannot see or hear or love, then I wanna posit to you this morning that maybe we are in the wrong places if the doubt or fear is too much then perhaps we are asked to move outside of ourselves to those places where god's kingdom is arriving in our midst perhaps we should risk being in those places where we can be in solidarity with the the oppressed and the marginalized with the sick and with the needy, and with all those who are vulnerable. For God's radical love demands our solidarity with those who stand in need and want. For as we have had it revealed to us today, God stands in solidarity with all those who are, inv- who are vulnerable. And indeed, when we are in those places with vulnerable people then we will discover that our eyes will see and our ears will hear and our hearts will love when we are with them. This was the recipe that Jesus gave to John in response to his doubt and his fear. And this is the same recipe that Jesus gives to us. Amen.